Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello again, I'm Josh Raymond, and hope your Wednesday is going well. Wednesday of the third week of Lent here. And today I want to ask you, when you hear the word sacrifice, what does that mean to you? During this season of Lent, we end up giving up things. You know, we, we fast and we talk about how we sacrifice them. And this is in an effort to focus less on the material and more on the spiritual. But you probably hear that word sacrifice very regularly. Uh, You know, in a baseball game, somebody might make a sacrifice bunt. You might sacrifice sleep for taking care of your child. In movies, the protagonist almost always has to go through some sort of, of trial where they have to make a sacrifice. There's some sort of on that hero's journey. Uh, maybe if you play chess, you might sacrifice your queen in order to save your king and try and win the game. And of course, we hear about sacrifice very commonly as Catholics, uh, Jesus, the sacrificial victim, the holy sacrifice of the mass. But what does sacrifice really mean to us? especially personally as Catholics, and what is God asking you to sacrifice? Maybe even uh, more appropriate, what are you willing to sacrifice? Back in 1915, on May 1st, Charlotte, a 28-year-old woman, she boarded an ocean liner in New York, and the ship was bound for Liverpool. Charlotte, she came on board carrying her 18-month-old daughter, Marjorie. And now at about the same time, another passenger stepped on board the same ship, and this was Alfred Vanderbilt. And you might recognize that name, Vanderbilt, part of the wealthy Vanderbilt family, famous for their shipping and their railroad empire that they'd built here in the U.S. Alfred was traveling with his valet, Ronald, and the name of this ocean liner was the RMS Lusitania. Again, maybe another familiar name for you. And in six days, on May 7th, Charlotte, Marjorie, Alfred, and Ronald were all passengers when a submarine, a German U-boat, fired a torpedo at the ship. When that torpedo hit the Lusitania, Charlotte was in the dining room with little Marjorie, and they were eating lunch. They, along with all of the other diners, felt the shock from this explosion, and everyone in the dining room stood up, fear etched on their faces, worried about what this meant, And after a few moments, a woman shouted out, she's going down, as they could now see that the dining room was no longer level. One side of the boat was sinking lower than the other. And people started racing out. Charlotte grabbed little uh, Marjorie, and she ran out onto the deck, and she saw women out there, and they were on their knees. They were shouting. They were screaming. They were praying to be saved. People were falling. The ship was going down fast, and it was listing to one side, so people couldn't keep uh, purchase of where they were walking. And those icy waters were coming closer to the deck, and Charlotte, she was in the same situation, especially trying to hold on to her little baby. She fell again and again and again as she was trying to find her way 
to a lifeboat, trying to find her way to some way of being saved from the ship that was going down. And in all of this chaos, a man comes up to her and he tries to calm her down. And this was Alfred. And Alfred says, hey, it, don't, don't cry. It's all right. And Charlotte, fully aware of how dire everything was there at that moment, she just simply replied and said, no, it isn't. It isn't all right. And Alfred, he still was trying to calm her down, and he promised. He said, I promise I'll find you a life jacket. And so he goes off, and he searches in all kinds of different locations as quick as he can, and he can find no spare life vests. And so at this point, he unties the life jacket from around his own chest and torso, and he walks up to Charlotte, and he puts it on her and ties it around her. And Alfred then walks her over to a lifeboat, And once Charlotte and Marjorie were in the lifeboat, then Alfred, he turns around and he looks and says to himself, how can I help others? And Alfred, he has his valet, Ronald, right next to him. And he tells Ronald, find and save as many children as possible. And because Alfred was such a a, uh, well-known figure in American contemporary society at that time, so many people were watching and people who survived They recognized who he was and said, this is what happened. And so Ronald, the valet, would run off. He'd find young boys, young girls, and he'd bring them to Alfred. And then Alfred, two in his arms at a time, he'd dash off to a different lifeboat here, different lifeboat there, and he'd hand them in, trying to save as many as possible. One of the survivors of the Lusitania was the ship's barber. His name is Lot Gad. And he said that he watched this famous American millionaire, Alfred Vanderbilt, running around trying to put life jackets on women and children. And the ship went down very fast. It sank in only 18 minutes. Alfred and Ronald, they were swept away in the sea. But Lot, Lot Gad, he said that when the ship sank, after everything went down, all he saw in the water were children, children everywhere because of those life vests that Alfred Vanderbilt had been trying to put on as many as possible. Now, Charlotte, she also survived Thanks to Alfred's selfless act, she lived another 55 years to the age of 84. And this obviously is a story about someone who was willing to sacrifice their own life so that others could live. Most of us might not have to go through that same sort of sacrifice, giving up our own lives so that somebody might live. Uh, Most likely, we're going to experience sacrifice in other ways. But has there been that time in your life where you made a tough sacrifice? And to somebody else, maybe it wouldn't have seemed so tough, but for you, it was something very significant. Did it help you grow closer to Christ? How did it make that difference in your spiritual journey? And today, as we talk about sacrifice, I want to welcome to the program Father Jeremy Plouffe. He is a priest in the Diocese of St. Cloud. He's a pastor of three parishes out there in western Minnesota. And uh, Father Jeremy, so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today as we look at this theme of sacrifice. Thank you very much, Josh. I appreciate that. And I think it's even providential that this is the first time that I'm joining you as the new host of the program, because I remember back in elementary school, I was assigned to do a speech, a presentation to our whole class on the Lusitania. And I remember that story that you were telling me about. I I came across that story as a fifth grader. So it's really kind of fun that that's how you opened up today's show. Yeah. And, you know, I was familiar with the Lusitania, but until I started, you know, just digging around and saying, oh, I'd like a 
a good story to talk about sacrifice and came across this. So I probably did the same research here just this week that you did back in fifth grade um, to make your presentation to the class. But uh, it, it really was quite remarkable. And there were other survivors from the Lusitania, and they all said the same thing, said things like, you know, uh, Alfred Vanderbilt was very, very calm. And it was like he was just he might have just as well been waiting for a train as he was helping people and going about trying to save people there on the Lusitania. Um, and so I, I have no idea. I don't know if there's a number that was ever accorded to him as far as those lives that were saved. But as we look at this idea of sacrifice, you know, one of the things I mentioned here at the beginning of the program is it's something that we see used in a variety of ways, uh, different different situations in our contemporary society, our contemporary culture. How can we kind of take that step back and look and understand what sacrifice really means for us as Catholics? Sure, of course. And I, I think just just to kind of get some sort of a baseline for what we're talking about, right? Sacrifice, you're giving up something of value. You know, I, I think it was so nice how you started off by saying, you know, in Lent, we fast from a lot of things. And it's still a common thing as it was when I was a kid to say, uh, I'm going to sacrifice uh, eating vegetables, or I'm going to sacrifice doing homework or something like that. I know, as a priest, I always joke, like, for Lent this year, I would like to sacrifice or fast from the announcements at the end of Sunday Mass. I always love that joke. But the whole point of sacrifice is to give up something that we see a great value in, and usually for the sake of something bigger, giving up something that we want, something we see great value in for other considerations. And I love how you said at the top of the show, maybe in chess, you sacrifice a, a strong or powerful piece to create a better strategic position for the rest of your remaining pieces on the board. I think even economically, lots of times in business, uh, you'll have a sale. You'll sell things uh, right at cost or sometimes even below cost, losing money on something in order to expand your customer base. And But maybe, as you say, for Catholics, I, I think one of the most profound stories of the Old Testament is the story of Esther. I think in Esther's book, where we see Esther was willing to sacrifice her own safety and her own security as Queen of Persia in order to hopefully save all of the Israelites that were inside the empire of Persia at the time. That, I think, is one of the most profound things where we say, where we see, rather, in Esther's situation, she was perfectly safe as the wife of the king of Persia, and she could have lived out her days in peace and security, regardless of what happened to her uncle Mordecai or the rest of the Israelites. But she was willing to sacrifice her safety and perhaps risk her own life to make sure that others were safe. And I think even just recently, uh, for the Sunday readings at Mass, we had the story of Abraham being called to sacrifice his son Isaac uh, to commit himself to devoting every last piece of his being to support of God's will for his life. Those stories, I think, are, are, are really, really profound and, and even scary, disturbing, even when God might be calling us to make huge, huge sacrifices in our lives as well. Well, and that's one of those things where in both of those stories, in retrospect, you can look back and, you know, we, we know the end of the story. Okay, you know, Abraham, there's a ram that's caught in the thicket, and the angel of the Lord says, you know, you don't, don't kill your son. 
um, stop right where you are. Right as, as Abraham has the knife raised in his hand, he's ready to go ahead and go through with offering his son as the sacrifice to God. Exactly. And God says, I know now that you will hold nothing back from me. Um, but we know that in those moments, at that moment, especially with Esther, where she's dreading, am I going to go in to the king, to Artaxerxes, and he is going to say, nope, not interested in seeing you, thumbs down, and you're executed. You you lose your life because I just don't happen to feel like seeing you at this point. We know that the king ended up graciously receiving her. In both of these instances, we know what the outcome is because we can read the end of the story. In our own lives, we don't get to see the end of the story. We're faced with those moments where it might go well or it might go bad, you know, just because we're willing to offer up that sacrifice. And that's that's a much more precarious place to be. And it makes us have to really kind of swallow our pride and say, do I want what I want or do I want what God wants? I think you're right on point there, Josh. And, and I think of how uh, Eucharistic prayer number four, which uh, priests don't use as often in the United States, Eucharistic prayer number four talks about that we might live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us. And when we realize in this sense that so many saints have also realized my life is not my own. I'm here to do God's will. I'm here to bring others a step closer to heaven to the greatest of my ability. That's when even not knowing the outcome of of the sacrifices we're being called to make, that can lend us the courage to do so when we realize that we might live and hope that we might not live any longer for ourselves, not live for ourselves, but live for the one who died and rose again. Our spiritual director today is Father Jeremy Plouffe, a priest in the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota. And we're talking about that idea of sacrifice, how we can live that out in our lives. And has there been a time where you've had to make that tough sacrifice in your life? Did it help you grow closer to Christ? How did it make that difference in your spiritual journey? Uh, We'd love to have you share your stories with us. Or maybe there's something where you're not sure if you can go through where you see yourself being called to sacrifice something, you need a little help on the journey, you can give us a call, and Father Jeremy is here to give you a little guidance, a little assistance today, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, as we're talking here about this, uh, you know, one of the things that we've both hit on is we're in Lent. We make these uh, these fasting choices. We abstain from meat on Fridays. You know, we, we fully fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. But when we go back to something, if we just give it up for a short time, do we still, can we still look at that as being a sacrifice or is a sacrifice something that really should be with permanent consequences? I think it's a great question. And one of the fun sort of quips about the Holy Faith is that the most important word in the Holy Faith is the word and, or both, if you would rather. And so there's both a a sense of, yes, we can go back to things that we may have given up for Lent, but there's also still something that might have been a permanent impact of what we did during Lent. So you might say, in some practical sense, if you were going to give up lunch during the season of Lent, and I have a great number of friends who are brave enough to say, for 40 days of Lent, I will skip lunch, uh, no matter what day of the week it is, not just Fridays, but all days of the week. Uh, 
And that's a, that's a bold choice and a brave thing to do. And what I've uh, recommended in doing that is to continually set aside the money that you might have otherwise spent at going uh, out to eat if you're at work or bringing in your brown bag lunch, set aside the amount of money that you imagine would have been spent on that. And this money that you have then saved at the end of Lent can then become a gift to a Catholic charity or to a group of Catholic nuns or something like this that has an ongoing effect. But then even still, uh, the bigger piece of your sacrifice is to recall that in Lent, our, our, our fasting, whatever we're fasting from, it is not just a game to see, can I really go all of these weeks without having ice cream or dessert or whatever it might be? It's to train ourselves to desire heaven, to long for Christ, to hunger for Christ more than I would want to have ice cream or whatever. Some of the times those sacrifices, though, I, I, I don't know how it is for you. I can, without thinking about it, I get busy with the day. I can skip lunch, and it's not during Lent. I, it'll be just I got caught up with other things. Okay, yeah, I'll go home. And giving up meat, same sort of thing. But I get to either Ash Wednesday or Good Friday, and all of a sudden, you know, nine thirty, ten in the morning, I'm craving a bacon cheeseburger or a steak or, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it seems to be the only two days out of the year where all of a sudden it's, oh, why does it, is that, is that just, uh, is that the enemy working against us at that point? Or is that something where it's kind of a Murphy's law that, of course, the days that you have to give it up, how would you look at those moments when we know we... We want to sacrifice something, but it ends up being more difficult than the times where we're not trying to. But we could at those those other non-committal uh, times, the times the church doesn't request it of us. I think that's a great example. And, and before I answer your question, I want to second your experience. Of, from just this past week, I had a very, very busy Thursday last week uh, to the point where I, I missed lunch myself and, and got to the end of the day and, and realized I hadn't had any meat that day and didn't even miss it. And then, of course, same thing on Friday. The first thing my mind thinks of is, wouldn't it be great to have bacon and eggs for breakfast today? So I'll second your experience. And while there certainly is temptations hour that you can expect that when we might be uh, tempted to sin or when sin might be, uh, the near occasion of sin might be in front of us, the enemy might be nudging us in that direction. That's certainly something to be aware of, not something to tremble about, but certainly something to recognize that when I am weak or, or when I, I'm in a situation where sin could easily happen, the enemy might be there waiting to trip me or waiting to nudge me in the wrong direction. That's certainly the case. But I think also in, in the practical sense of like, this is the stuff that heroes are made of. You know, when the chips were down, when the times got tough, the tough got going, right? And this is our opportunity, uh, whether we're really missing uh, meat on Fridays or whether it's any random day of Lent and we're tempted to go back on our Lenten commitments. This is the thing where we recognize I'm going to reach out to Christ for strength and even commit myself all the more to saying, as tempted as I might be to not sacrifice, to indulge in my own desires, I'm training myself. No, no, no. I desire Christ above all else. And even though it might seem like something silly, just resisting ice cream on a random Wednesday, it actually is a profound fight for your soul to recognize, regardless of earthly desires, I desire heaven all the more. 
We're talking with Father Jeremy Plouffe, a priest in the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota, talking about sacrifice and what that really means for us as we're moving forward here during Lent and trying to draw closer to Christ. We're looking ahead towards his ultimate sacrifice on the cross coming up in just a few weeks uh, during Holy Week, and we're going to, of course, Follow along his steps there uh, from Palm Sunday until Holy Thursday, where he's arrested. Good Friday, he's crucified. But again, we know the outcome. We know the rest of the story there. We know who wins. Uh, you might be going through that, that time of sacrifice in your life, or maybe there was a time where you had to make that tough sacrifice and you didn't know how it was going to go. If you had that moment in your life... Has it helped you grow closer to Christ? Did it make a difference in your spiritual journey? You can give us a call and share your story, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can email innerlife at relevantradio.com. I'm Josh Raymond, and we'll have more of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife@relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. This is indeed The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Jeremy Plouffe, a priest in the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota, pastor of three parishes there in western Minnesota. And we're talking about sacrifice today. Has there been that time when you've made that tough sacrifice? Is there something right now that maybe God is asking of you to sacrifice in your life and it's a tough situation, you're not sure how to approach it, well, that's why we're here to offer that help. Or maybe you've been through that, and you'd like to offer some encouragement to somebody who's listening. You can give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Email innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father Jeremy, uh, you know, as we're talking about this, I think you, you kind of referenced this when you were talking about living for Christ in the way that we approach sacrifices, but is there one thing that is more important in that grand scheme of what I sacrifice in my life, whether it's relinquishing my will or my pride or maybe looking at things that I possess, uh, dis- different desires that I have? Is there something that is kind of at the top in a hierarchy of things that we would look to sacrifice to live for Christ? You know, it's a great question, and and one of the things that that uh, tends to frustrate me a, as a pastor is is when people will say, uh, you know, "I'm not going to give up something for Lent. I'm going to be doing something more." And and certainly, I can appreciate that. Uh, but however, as as we said during the break, you know, the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the three pillars of Lent, and so fasting is still necessarily part of it. In all of these things whether it's Lent or the whole year long, the, the point is, is not to simply say, like, well, if, if I have less possessions, then I'm more holy. Well, not necessarily. The question is, are we dedicating our life to making sure we're on the path to heaven? 
And depending on our vocation in life, we might need certain things. Uh, depending on our health, we might need certain things as well. And so in, in terms of like a hierarchy of, of being, it's, it's not so much that someone is holier because they have less desserts throughout the year than someone else. That's certainly not something I would look to anyway. Oh, the question is, when we look at our life, when we look at our day in, day out, and our month-long and our year-long commitments, are we striving towards holiness? Are we striving to bring others towards holiness? And if that's what we're doing, then we're heading in the right direction. And it also sounds like it's one of those things where we want to keep our eyes on ourselves. It's, it's so easy to look at others and say, well, they're not doing this or they're doing that wrong or they could do this better. But really, we need to just let go of looking at others and really focus on that true inner life that we're trying to grow closer to Christ and strive in that holiness. Absolutely. And I think to your point, Josh, I think Psalm 90 says it better than I could say it myself, where Psalm 90, simply after recognizing our life is 70 years or maybe 80 if we're strong, the Psalm 90 goes on to say, Lord, teach us to count our days rightly that we may gain wisdom of heart. So, so rather than getting caught up in, in trying to keep up with the Joneses, as it were, Teach us, Lord, to count our days aright, that we're striving towards holiness and helping the Joneses or whomever to do the same. All right. Let's go to the phones, Father Jeremy. We've got Dan, who's listening to Relevant Radio out on the East Coast. Hi, Dan. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi, Father. Thank you. Um, I have a, um, a son who uh, became addicted to drugs and alcohol. And um, for 20 years, we, my family, my wife and I prayed for him daily because uh, it kept getting worse. And he was, um, to me, it looked like he was committing suicide on the installment plan. Um, and we were afraid it was going to kill him eventually. And uh, one day I just prayed to God. I said, whatever it takes, whatever you ask of me, whatever it takes, anything. And uh, shortly after that, I, I was uh, diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. I'd been there for a while, and I didn't know it. And for two years, I went through uh, all kinds of different kinds of chemical treatment uh, before they were finally able to find something that worked. But uh, very shortly after I said that prayer, my son had a, I would have to call it a near-death experience, where he, he really thought he was going to die using. And... Um, He's uh, today. He's clean and sober seven years, and I am so wow. grateful to God. I don't know if he used that or not. Um, and what I've, uh, I did not know the results of my prayer, um, both in terms of him or in terms of uh, my relationship with my wife. Because ever since then, we've had to live as brother and sister uh, because of the inability to do otherwise. But uh, I am just overwhelmingly grateful to God for his intervention in my son's life, and not only did he get clean and sober, but he, he has returned to a belief in God, and he, um, he has a prayer life today, and I'm so grateful for that. Dan, that, that's, in, in so many ways, that, that's a really, really moving story. Uh, I think you said it's, it's been uh, seven years since uh, these events where he's been sober, is that right? Yes, mm -hmm. seven years sober, clean and sober. 
I, I think this is really, really important, and, and I'm glad you shared it, and, and thank you for sharing it. The, this story is important for a couple of reasons, I think. Your experience, Dan, is it must have been painful for so long. Uh, at just watching your son make uh, difficult and, and destructive choices and, and not being able to uh, just put your hand on him and say, all right, this needs to stop, you know. And, and I think w- what the church would say a lot about this is that we suffer along with Christ, right, when we have prostate cancer, when we have a son who is making difficult and, and, and destructive choices, the church talks about how we, like Christ, suffer for the good of others. And and I think with the prayer that you uh, told us about and offering to Christ, what can I do? I'll do anything to help my son. I think Christ might have, if not speaking directly into your ear, negotiated into your life, like, okay, you will take up your cross as Christ did and follow him to Calvary through uh, cancer and, and, and through the difficulty of your son. And just like Christ suffered for the good of the world, as Isaiah foretold, I, I think in a real way we can say that through your sacrifices, through your offering your pain and suffering for the good of your son and for the good of others, Christ brought more grace into the world. I, I think that's a really, really profound story, and thank you for it. I wonder if we can uh, ask, like, are, are you healthy from here on out? Are you personally healthy uh, looking ahead to the future? Um, I'm, I'm in good health, fairly good health now. I have had some other health issues since then. Um, but uh, th- those are just things that come with age. And um, but I am, uh, I you know, I don't know that God used that, but I, I it's a wonderful coincidence that He didn't, and I'm still willing to do it. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. And and uh, I will share with you a clever quip that's certainly not from the Bible. It's certainly not in church teaching, but it's certainly something to consider that oftentimes when there seems to be a coincidence, as you described, coincidence might just be when God chooses to remain anonymous. Hmm. (laughs) I call it God incidences. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well, Dan, thanks so much for calling in and sharing that, and uh, what a difficult struggle there. If you'd like to call in and share your story, the number is 888-914-9149 as we talk about sacrifice. And and has there been that time in your life where you've had that tough sacrifice you've had to make, and how did it help you in your relationship with Christ? And Father Jeremy, listening to Dan's story brings to mind a couple of things. One, uh, as we talk about the suffering that's kind of tied in there with offering whatever we have, offering that sacrifice, I remember hearing years ago that any suffering that we encounter can be used as redemptive suffering. It's something that can be offered to allow somebody to grow closer to Christ. Even if we don't know how that's being used by God, that redemptive suffering has power uh, if we can offer that through Christ to the Father. Absolutely, Josh. And and I I think that's important for us all to remember uh, simple things that that might just affect us, you know, whether it's we have a flat tire on our car and we need to change it ourselves. You know, it's possible that no one might know it except if we're late for a meeting or something. But even these these simple things, we stub our toe on the desk or we sprain our wrist doing something around the house. It might affect no one other than us. We might uh, never, uh, no one else might ever find out that this happened to us. But rather than cursing the situation, 
when, uh, when we offer our suffering as Christ did uh, for the good of the world, it is redemptive and it might have a real effect on someone that we might never know about. And so it, it's very, very important that all aspects of our life are, are offered back to God who gave them to us, especially, as you say, redemptive suffering. Well, and the other part of Dan's uh, story that just it makes me think, you know, there's a, a parent who loves his child so much that you can see and you can hear in the words the story that Dan shared. And I'm sure that represents most parents out there where they would be willing to say that same thing, offer that same prayer, God, whatever you want, you can do anything to me. I'll go through anything if you can just help my child with whatever they're dealing with. But that really is just an echo of what happened with God the Father as he offered his only begotten son, that we have a father who loves us so much and knows that the only way that he can bring us to himself is by making that sacrifice himself, by offering his only begotten son. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's just so, uh, it, it can be so heartbreaking to, to think about uh, the what happened before time began with uh, the father seeing that I need to send my son. Uh, and with Dan's story as, as a nice, nice example of it in our own contemporary time, I'm willing to do anything for the ones I love. Let's talk about that with love tying into the idea of making a sacrifice, offering a sacrifice. Is love always required to accompany making a sacrifice? Because if I surrender something, if I give something up, but I don't do it with real love for the person who's on that receiving end— is that really a sacrifice? And I guess to follow up on that, even if I don't feel that love, is just simply putting someone else's needs before my own, is that by it, it, its own action, is that an act of love, even if I'm not feeling love towards that person? Great point. That's a really great point. I, I think I would start with Christ's own words in the gospel, where he says, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. So there's certainly an element that that love is the the ones you love you will sacrifice for actions required of love, but then I would also uh, to your point you know maybe I'm I'm called to to do something for someone that I might not even know or might have even had negative experiences with that I don't care for, I would point us to uh, Saint John Paul the Great before he was Pope, wrote a book called Love and Responsibility, and while. Uh, it has a whole bunch of things in it that, that we don't need to get into right now. The, the larger point that he's getting at is we have a responsibility to sacrifice for the good of others. And indeed, Catholic social thought, Catholic social teaching would say to us things like, for example, uh, sharing our money with the poor. Now, we might not know who uh, our money goes to when we donate to uh, various charities that help the poor. Uh, but the fact is we know that we have a responsibility to care for the poor, and Catholic social thought would even push us to say, you have to give even out of what you think you need to survive yourself. Give some of that away to the poor, not just give your excess. And, and so there's a responsibility, as St. John Paul II would say, uh, to sacrifice for those that you don't even know, and certainly by extension uh, to those that you might not care for or have had negative experiences with. Right. And it it's so much easier 
I think in my own life, at least, I, I don't, maybe other people have had different experiences, but it's much easier to offer those sacrifices for someone who's close to you that you really do love and care about rather than people who you might meet only once and never encounter them again. Absolutely. And, and I think as, as a nice example that was given to me my freshman year of college uh, was I was in a philosophy class just introducing us to the idea of philosophical thinking. And our professor, who was excellent, uh, asked our, us as a class, uh, almost biblically, really, uh, if you were driving uh, away from the college here on the interstate and you saw one of your best friends on the side of the road not sure how to change the tire in his or her car, would you stop and help? And of course I would. Of course I would. Why wouldn't I? Uh, but then the next question this professor asked us was, well, what if you're driving some other distance away? You're in the, you're a state over from where we are and you're just passing by someone on the side of the road. Would you stop then? And then, of course, we quibble of like, well, it might be dangerous. It might not be safe. Maybe I could use my mobile phone and, and call someone to help them. But but we see right there how when we love somebody, of course, I'm going to stop and help that person on the side of the road if I know that person and care for that person. It's more difficult to commit to helping that someone, to sacrificing for someone if you don't know who they are or there's other situations like, well, I'm not sure about the safety of this area and so on. And so all, all the more we have to constantly check ourselves, like, am I willing to sacrifice for the good of others out of love for Christ or not? And, of course, keeping in mind that we do have to make sure we're keeping safe. So right. we don't might want not to be, be the greatest example, but it's one. No, no, that, Absolutely. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, God's, God's given us reason and intellect as well, so we don't want to put ourselves in a precarious situation if that's not the best and most effective way to help somebody. Sometimes we do have to put ourselves in a, different, uh, a difficult or a dangerous situation to help the person that is, is looking for that help, that needs that help. Uh, our spiritual director today, Father Jeremy Plouffe, a priest in the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota, and talking about sacrifice, how we can live that out in our lives. How have you lived that out in your life? Did it help you in your relationship with Christ? Did it help you to become a stronger Catholic, a stronger Christian? The phone number to call and share your story, your experience, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can email innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll be back with more talking about sacrifice here on The Inner Life right after this. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Inner Life Show or email us at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Jeremy Plouffe, a priest in the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota. I want to say thanks to Nick Schmitz and Jake Moore who are helping to run things behind the scenes here and make everything work very smoothly. And I want to thank you for listening. In fact, if you have an idea for a topic you'd love to hear us cover on The Inner Life, go ahead and email that to me. You can send it to innerlife at relevantradio.com. Again, innerlife at relevantradio.com. You can also give us a call if you'd like to talk about how 
sacrifice, that idea of sacrifice, how you've lived that out in your life, how it's made a difference. Maybe there's been that tough time you've had to make a sacrifice, and it really has helped you grow grow closer to Christ. The number to call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. And Father Jeremy, let's go to the phones. We've got David, who is listening in Lexington, Kentucky. Hi, David. Welcome to The Inner Life. Many ways, and after the sacrifices, God lifted me up out of a severe health problems in my 50s. So I came close to death a couple of times. So where now I'm an active, I'm an active Catholic and trying to lead others to Christ. In my uh, teens, I was a good athlete. I, was, I had aspirations of becoming a good athlete. Uh, but things didn't work out well on my school, and I was um, expelled. Right after that, upon joining a new school, I gave my life to Christ in a Protestant church. And then uh, I kind of backslid for a while, then dropped. Then I uh, lost out of some other schools, and I lost my popularity. And I think that was God's way of taking me out of the world, just so I'd seek Him, just so I'd seek Jesus. And then I went through a long period of time of mental illness and rejection and discrimination, yet in the back of my mind, I knew Jesus was in the background. And went until my 30s, I joined the Protestant church again. That I had a, a, a preached some sermons. I had a job as an assistant pastor, uh, but I did some bad things, and I was disfellowshipped from that church. And then I went on some years going in and out of churches, but joined the Catholic Church in my forties upon marrying a Catholic woman. And then uh, I wasn't really all that close to the Lord, but then developed severe health problems in my 50s, and gave up smoking just so I could walk closer to the Lord. And so giving up that smoking, did that help you? How did, how did you experience that in your life, David, where that was the sacrifice, and, and how did it, it help you grow closer to Christ? Well, according to the commandments of God, uh, you, sh- you shouldn't defile the temple of God, which is your body. And smoking defiles your body, the temple of God. And God holds that against people who smoke cigarettes or drink excessive alcohol or do drugs. Your body is a royal royal instrument of the Lord, a holy instrument of the Lord. And you can't spoil or defile it with sin or smoking or any other uh, means of sinning. David, I, I think um, I, I think you took the words out of my mouth even earlier uh, when you talked about how uh, being expelled from from one school and and uh, trying to do sports and and, and losing out on uh, on that that didn't work out as as you had once hoped. And I, I you took the words out of my mouth uh, when, when you were talking about how you know God you know, took these other things away that. We might have otherwise defined ourselves by, and, and I think of um, lots of successful people uh, will, will will 
think of uh, as a as an axiom for their lives. Uh, success is a lousy teacher because it tricks us into thinking that we can't fail or we can't lose. And that certainly is a, a, a way to think of uh, our Christian life is to say that, you know, maybe through all of these things that didn't work out as we'd hoped, whether it's being expelled from school or not being successful in, in a sport that we're very committed to or practice very hard at and in, in having to you know go through all of these other avenues, we might find uh, by taking the long way or the scenic route uh, that, that God's will for our life is, is what's going to make us happiest. And, and maybe uh, that, that seems to be what you're saying by, uh, by coming around to saying, I have to set aside uh, illegal drugs, uh, alcohol abuse, or, or whatever it might be, uh, or smoking. That's what it was to, to say that, all right, I'm, I'm committed to being a temple for the Lord and, and making sure that his will is, is what I do. And we're all kind of, Father, we're, we're in different places in our own individual journey there, too, where, I mean, it sounds like David, he was able to make that change and say, no, I I might have been a smoker for many years, but I really want to make my body that temple of the Holy Spirit, and I want to I want to let go of that, and I want to give everything that I can to God. And that, that journey of trying to give over different parts of ourselves, whether it's different behaviors or addictions or um, just the way that we even interact with family and friends, all of those different things, it's a continual process. It's not like we'll get to one point and say, well, good, you know, I, I'm done. I've given everything to God. It's, it's going to be the rare living saint that we would encounter that would actually be able to do that. Absolutely. And, and I think this even goes to the heart of our Lenten penances, our prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, uh, because similarly to New Year's resolutions, uh, all too often what we see is people will say, you know, here's what I'm doing for the new calendar year. Here's what I'm doing for the season of Lent. And maybe a week in, we goof it up. We forgot to do our penance that day, or, or we had our dessert that we said we would not have during Lent. And then we just reject our, our Lenten penances for the rest of the season. Whereas what, what you're talking about, Josh, with, would be St. Thomas Aquinas in saying that the Christian habit, the Christian living, the Christian mindset is something that's built up over time. And St. Thomas Aquinas would be right here next to us saying, look, if you goof up, that's completely to be expected. It's a lifelong process. And then even with something like addiction, it's even understandable that these temptations will linger for a very, very long time. But St. Thomas would say to us, whether it's a New Year's resolution, a Lenten penance, or something much more difficult, he would say to us, this is a habit that's going to be built up over time. And so, as you say, Josh, it's not just something I do once or a decision I make one day. It's a decision that I might make many times every single day and recommit myself to every single morning. You know, another thought that comes to mind, and we're getting down to just the last minute or so here, but what if we're ready to offer up sacrifices in our lives and we think, you know, something's going to be coming our way and that's the place where we can sacrifice. That's the place where we can offer something to God. Have we at that point, if that never comes along, have we done our part by just being willing and open to that? Or is that maybe an indication that... God isn't asking us to sacrifice in that area, and maybe we need to look and say, well, God, where really are you asking me to sacrifice? Where are you asking me to give up that something? 
Certainly, uh, you know, the, the, my sacrifice is a contrite spirit, a heart contrite and humbled, O oh God, you will not spurn. That, that's certainly something. And, and I, I've seen all the time, uh, people who will say, look, I want to be that person who made the $50,000 donation to the church. And like, well, for most of us, that, that might be a, a lifetime of giving as opposed to a one-time gift. And so there's certainly a, a, a sense where I would say, let's not wait to be generous with the Lord, whether it's a, a sacrifice for our neighbor or a financial sacrifice for the good of our parish or, or what have you, because uh, constantly our, our life is sacrificing for the good of others out of love for Christ. And so if we're always saying, you know, I, I'm not sacrificing yet, I'm waiting for my opportunity, we might be missing the sacrifices that we could make in the here and now while we're waiting for something different or something of our own mind to come along. Yeah, it actually reminds me of a lot of parents that I'll hear. Well, actually, let's say not yet, but parents to be where they'll say, oh, I want to have kids, but not until I've got a good job and I've started on retirement and we've got a house and we've got, you know, everything is in place. And <laughs> what else happens in life when you have it, everything in place? There, there really isn't anything. Oh, sure. And I think of even the next step, and, and it's, it's a constant encouraging to all parents of uh, when we have young children, with parents of very young children, lots of times they say, well, I'm not sure I should bring them to Mass. They'll just be disrupting, and other people are trying to pray, and the kids will make noise and right. be scurrying around. And I say, like, no, bring them now. Start building up the habit of sacrificing for the good of the Church. Father Jeremy Plouffe is our spiritual director today. And Father, uh, as we're down to the last couple of seconds here, can I ask you to give our listeners a final blessing here. Absolutely. Lord Jesus Christ, teach us all to love as you love and to sacrifice as you sacrifice for us. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Jeremy Plouffe, thank you so much for being with us here on The Inner Life today. We've got Mass coming up next from the Cathedral of St. Paul in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I want to remind you, Make sure you're praying that daily rosary. It'll make a difference in your life. Thanks for joining us here. We'll see you tomorrow.